I'm Linda Van Falkenberg. And I'm Ron Gore. And, and you're listening, listening to, to the, the Co Parent Academy, Academy Podcast. Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Today is uh, an introduction, sort of looking ahead to a series that we're going to have on domestic abuse and co parenting. This is a complicated topic that is just, I mean, full of minefields <laughs> and lots of ways to go wrong. <laughs> and so uh, we've had uh, conversations about how we're going to do this. And for this episode, we kind of decided we're going to let y'all in on our conversation about what we're thinking about, why we think it's an important topic, um, where we're looking to to get some definitions uh, and We'll go from there. We're not exactly sure how many episodes in the series we're going to have yet because we haven't fully crafted it. But today we just want to give you a basic understanding of what it is we're talking about and why we want to talk about it. So, Linda, this is uh, I think we talked for an hour <laughs> before we even <laughs> turned on the recording today. So we've had lots of conversation about it. Well, and. I think that's why it does make a good podcast subject because it is talked about a lot in almost every family system. I think try to find some place that it doesn't exist in one of these ways. And in researching, I found this definition on the United Nations site, believe it or not. And I kind of like that too, because it says, this is a problem worldwide. Right. Right. And I, and I like having this United Nations definition because, you know, one thing that we don't want to do is have some sort of idiosyncratic uh, description of domestic abuse or just, you know, something that we think is appropriate. I think it's useful to have something that has been vetted and people across the world agree is a way to think about what domestic abuse is. And so this gives, a, I think, a good way to do that. Because we do understand that there can be lots of different decisions about it, ever how you may have experienced it on either side of things. And so hopefully this covers, if not all, most of those spaces that any of our listeners might be thinking about. Right. So why don't you start us off with uh, the UN definition of what domestic abuse is, and we'll, we'll take turns because it's long, long sentences. It really is. Domestic abuse is also called domestic violence or intimate partner violence. It can be defined as a pattern of behavior in any relationship that is used to gain or maintain power and control over an intimate partner. Abuse is physical, sexual, emotional, economic, or psychological actions or threats of actions that influence another person. I love that word influence in there. This includes any behaviors that frighten, intimidate, terrorize, manipulate, hurt, humiliate, blame, injure, or wound someone. Domestic abuse can happen to anyone of any race, age, sexual orientation, religion, or gender. 
They can occur within a range of relationships, including couples who are married, who are living together, or dating. Domestic violence affects people of all socioeconomic backgrounds and education levels. So that is about as broad a definition as you can get. And then it narrows down into different categories of information on that UN website. And, you know, we recognize it because this is all based on the Duluth Power and Control Wheel that we've used in multiple courses and podcasts already, Linda. Exactly. And I like, too, that it says it may also include a child or another relative or any other household member. You know, I had a child recently complaining about how the stepfather treated his own mother when she was in their household. That scared her how he treated his own mother. Yeah, I think one of the big misperceptions about domestic abuse is that it has to be related to physical violence and that it has to be related to anger management issues. And that's just not the case. And in co-parenting issues, the reason we're going to be talking about it on the podcast is how do you deal with a history or current manifestations of domestic abuse while also attempting to have a co-parenting relationship. Mm. And when you have just outright obvious physical violence, it's unlikely that you're going to be in a real co-parenting relationship because you're probably not there in the legal system at the point of having a joint custody situation if there's obvious manifestations of physical domestic violence. And the courts probably would not put you in the same room with the person who has abused you for even court. I don't know. Does that happen? Or Yeah, that, that does happen. Okay. I mean, just think about, for example, if you were in the criminal system, you know, you would have, you'd be in the courtroom with your abuser if they're being prosecuted for the domestic violence. That's true. Yeah. And so you'll have folks with protective orders and a protective order hearing docket, and you'll have them in the custody dockets as well. But not like if you were having mediation or parent coordination or co-parenting therapy or something like that. Yeah. So typically the co-parenting therapy won't be ordered. And by statute, I believe it's by statute, should not be ordered. Uh, if there is the history of domestic violence, okay. the for mediation, and I'm a mediator, uh, what we will do in my particular setup when I'm doing the mediation, I offer it by Zoom. If there's domestic violence, I also have uh, two separate accesses to my building, mm-hmm. and I'll have the perpetrator be on one floor and come in one door on a street, and I'll have the victim come in a different door and be on a different floor in my building and they'll never see each other. And I just go a span across the different floors so they won't come in contact. And I've even done that before as a PC and believe it or not, in co-parenting therapy where I've had them in two separate rooms in my building and gone back and forth. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, too, mediation uh, should not be ordered in a case with a real history of domestic violence because uh, those issues of power and control 
can exist or do exist even after the separation. And you have a real concern about implicit coercion and duress. If you have someone who's been the victim of domestic abuse and they're attempting to mediate with their abuser, because I think for a lot of folks who have been abused, the abuser might as well be in the room right. with them because sort of the ghost or the spirit, the shadow of that abuse uh, goes with them when they're thinking about making agreements. And I know that I have clients who have been abused who, who came to me after they had the decree entered and they agreed to things in the divorce that don't make any sense. Oh, yes. And the only reason they did it was because they just wanted it to be over. Yes. And they couldn't think what the implication was going to be two years down the road. Right. I've had so many people tell me just that particular sentence. Yeah. I just wanted it to be over. Yeah. And they and one of the things that happens when you have been abused for a long time, especially if the person has never really been called on it, is that, you know, in your mind or at least you think that they just always win. And they've probably told you time and time again, I'm always going to win. You're never going to beat me. And so that person going into mediation is thinking to themselves, they're always going to win. They're going to win today. If I get something that they didn't want to give me, they're going to make me pay for it later. And if we go to trial for some reason, he or she just always gets away with it. So I better just agree and maybe they'll leave me alone. Right. This so says too that this, domestic abuse can be mental, physical, economic, or sexual in nature. That, you know, is, is what we're talking about there. It can be an economic issue, financial issue. Right. Right. And so getting back to what we're talking about in the co-parent academy is, is that typically when you are in a co-parenting relationship, it's not the, it maybe wasn't the more brute force, physical violence that people have in their mind. I think when they think about domestic violence, sometimes it is because those people very often will not be in a co-parenting situation. Instead, what I think is more prevalent for probably our listeners and for the families we deal with is a history of what would be termed coercive control, which is all of the other forms of domestic abuse and is not about anger at all necessarily. It's about a person having a desire to control inappropriately another person and all the different ways that you can think about controlling that person and how is it possible to co-parent with a person who wants to control you and in all of these different ways. And of course, the parent who has been controlled in that relationship will always tell me that they left in order to protect the child in that situation. But then they find out that they may not able be able to be the buffer anymore physically for the child in the time with the other parent. Right. And that's probably the biggest thing that I see in terms of the co-parenting afterwards. They left because they thought they were able to protect the child from further behavior like that from the co-parent. And instead they find out the child is going to be alone 
with that co-parent? So it's such a complicated topic and, and let's get into why we're talking about it. Um, One of the main principles in our co-parent Academy is that every child deserves two good parents if possible. A parent who is engaging in domestic abuse through coercive control or physical violence is not being a good parent, definitionally. But at the same time, that parent is very often going to be given some degree of custody. And if there's an issue of proving a history of domestic violence, there may even be joint legal custody. So it's necessary for us to talk about how the person who has been abused in that situation can do the very best on their end to create a healthy co-parenting environment. And at the same time, it is our hope that a person who has been engaging in behaviors that fall in line with coercive control, but they may have never thought of themselves as being abusive, may see themselves in some of this discussion, recognize that the behaviors in which they're engaging are unhelpful, and maybe take the opportunity to improve their relationship, not only with their ex, but also inherently with their child. Because a person who's engaging these behaviors, typically they don't engage with them in just one person. They typically engage, I think, in these behaviors with the person in front of them with whom they think they can get away with it. And many times, like I say, it will transfer from the partner, the other parent, to one of the children. And frequently the one that looks like or reminds them the most of their partner that they're separated from. Yeah, there's typically a target person in the house. And if it's not going to be the spouse, it's going to be one of the children, if not the dog, if not the the new step-parent. And also, I think another issue, too, that we're going to be talking about is this isn't, although it is overwhelmingly men who engage in physical domestic violence, and I do believe that it is predominantly men who engage in course of control. But there are plenty of women out there who engage in course of control and abusive behaviors against the men in their lives. And so we're not just talking to the men as the perpetrators of domestic abuse. We're talking to the women as well. There are underreporting issues where men tend to underreport issues of abuse because they don't want to appear weak. And there are issues of overreporting where women have taken advantage of the legal system to allege forms of abuse that haven't been borne out when all the evidence was heard by the court. So that's, I know that's a pretty controversial set of statements, but it's my experience. Uh, Linda, what do you think? Mine as well. Yeah. So we're going to get into those conversations as well. So to give you an example of the kinds of things that we're going to be talking about, 
I want to, I think we're going to probably wind up dealing with different types of abuse and different uh, levels of co-parenting is how I'm thinking about it. So for example, you have folks who have been physically violent against their partner. How do you deal with a partner who's been physically violent, maybe sexually violent against you? And if you're forced to be in some sort of co-parenting relationship with that person, how do you make that work? If you were the person who committed the physical or sexual violence and you're given the opportunity to be in a co-parenting relationship, what do you need to do on your end? Assuming that you've gone through some treatment, education, and that you're ready to co-parent, what do you need to do to hold up your end of that really difficult situation? And then we have areas where there's been no physical violence. You know, on the other end of the extreme, there may have been somewhat subtle levels of course of control that existed throughout the relationship. And each partner kind of got used to it. And now that you're divorced or separated and you're in a co-parenting relationship, how do you set the proper boundaries and respect those boundaries from the other side to have a good co-parenting relationship? And that's kind of the spectrum of abuse and co-parenting that I'm thinking about. And of course, I can't leave the children out of this. So I know it's always implied with co-parenting, but so many, so many children through the years have talked to me about how they see that imbalance of power in their parent relationships. And it's very important for us to look at, you know, like any of the characteristics of and the behaviors of and think, how does that affect a child if that's happening in front of them? Right, exactly. Exactly. Because we know and we talk about this in our uh, foundational course. We talk about the fact that observing abuse as a child is just as bad for them emotionally, psychologically, physiologically as being abused themselves. And so part of what we're talking about is creating these proper boundaries and co-parenting well so that your child does not have to even one more day, hopefully, observe these kinds of behaviors that are going to imprint on them for the rest of their lives. Right and be something that they're going to have to overcome later. We'd rather avoid. And we talked about this recently uh, when we talked about uh, the trauma that children endure and coping mechanisms. And we saw that the coping mechanisms were actually never enough. Oh, totally not. So this is part of that conversation of let's not traumatize these kids anymore and see if we can have some decent level of co-parenting even if there has been some history of domestic abuse. And those situations, when they're even really small, maybe can't even talk yet to explain to anybody how they feel about it, will trigger them when they get to be 20-something, 30-something and trying to have a relationship of their own. And... Part of the way, they'll think it's normal. On the other hand, they don't want it. 
to happen again, like it did in their childhood. And yeah, and so easy to overcorrect as well. So yes. it just creates all sorts of all sorts of problems. Um, so this series of episodes that we're going to have, we're not going to be easy. Um, this is such a complicated topic that is so emotionally, uh, I think, hard hitting for folks on both sides, whether you're the person who has suffered abuse or if you're the person who uh, has been the abuser and has realized it and maybe have the shame and guilt of that and you're looking to become a better co-parent, uh, we welcome that as well. We want everyone to be the best co-parent for their children that they possibly can. And that sometimes means taking the long road back from having done some things that you shouldn't have done. So we're encouraging anyone who wants to get into contact with us to talk with us about their history of either having suffered domestic abuse or having committed it and trying to co-parent. We would absolutely love to talk with anyone who wants to talk with us. Um, I anticipate that everyone will find something about what we say that they won't like or that they have questions about or they want to tell us how they feel and we're hundred percent open to communication about any of this. You can contact us at podcasts at coparentacademy.com. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to include you in the conversation. We're always open to points of view for us to consider and learn from and talk about. So we invite you to join us on these next several weeks as we talk about this complicated issue of domestic abuse and co-parenting, uh, I think it's something that absolutely needs to be talked about. And our goal is to have, if at all possible, two good co-parents for every child. Indeed. All right. Thank you so much. And we look forward to talking with you about this topic over the next several weeks. Talk to you next time. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to leave questions, comments, or concerns, please email podcast at coparentacademy.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.